Welcome, everybody. Welcome to you at New Lenny's campus. We are welcoming you, welcoming you at Homer Glen, welcoming you online. We're so glad to have you here. Uh, my name's Tim. I'm one of the pastors here. And, and when it got time to uh, think about doing this, What Made Jesus Mad, part two. And again, I did part one a couple of years ago. Go back and, and listen to all of it. It is the heart of who we are at Parkview and the heart. Uh, it's my heart as well. So if you want to understand us, um, I, I'd love for you to get it. Get the book. It's still out there. Um, I, 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 when I started thinking about it, one of the things that's been bugging me this time around is why did God put this so heavy on my heart because I'm, I'm not a guy that, that grew up wounded by the church. And basically, if you're wondering the, the crux of what made Jesus mad, it was when church people got in the way of relationship with the Father. Um, and, and I mean, you know, I grew up in a legalistic kind of a, kind of a thing like probably all of us did, but it didn't, it didn't really get in my way. And, um, I, and I don't know why I'm so passionate about it. I know that it's so many people's story. I cringe every time I hear another story. And, uh, and one of those stories was uh, our own Pastor Richie, who is our campus pastor at the New Linux campus. So I came up with the idea of maybe you need to hear from somebody who was affected by that story. Somebody um, who the church, I mean, really, I meet people from time to time where, you know, they just like gave up on things because the church was just so far out and hurt them because they are the kind of people like me that don't follow the rules that aren't like necessarily the ones that you know always walk the straight and narrow and, and the church sets you up that if that's not you then you don't fit in and you go somewhere else well thankfully uh, even though Richie is that guy also um, he worked his way through it and he's got some great stories and I wanted him to finish up this series today but mostly I came out to introduce him uh, to give you this disclaimer that any, uh, any reflections uh, on um, <laughs> I, uh, any, anything that he says is not necessarily reflective of the management or this station. <laughs> Would you welcome Richie Del Prior? Uh, that is awesome. What's up, my Parkview gangsters? It's so good to see you, man. It has been a long time since I've been here. This Christmas will be five years since the New Lenox campus launched. I haven't been here in five years. Pretty cool. I'd just like to welcome you all. If you're new, I'd like to welcome Homer Glenn, my friends at the Homer Glenn campus, my peeps at the New Lenox campus. How you doing, man? And all the wonderful families and friends watching online. I was so excited when Tim asked me, hey, can you close out What Made Jesus Mad Part 2 for me? And I was like, yes, sir, man. Let's do this thing. So let's get started. Um, I'm a dude that likes gangster movies. You know, I've always been drawn to like the bad guy or the bad girl, right? Some of my favorites, um, here's one, Goodfellas. You know, come on, Pesci, you know, isn't he awesome? You know what you'd say, I'm funny? Funny how, like a clown, right? I mean, just some great lines in that thing. How about this one, Casino? Check them out, man, De Niro, Sharon Stone, Pesci again, just, you know, bad guys, bad girls, right? Um, how about, you know, I don't, I don't like all the bad movies, though. What about Despicable Me? I wanted, I, wanted, I wanted old Schrute to kind of find his way and find the family, right? So I like that one too. But my favorite all time right here, 
If you're a dude and you're in here and this isn't in your top three, you got some issues. <laughs> Scarface, make way for the bad guy. I love it. Like I said, I'm always drawn to movies like that. Bad guys, bad girls. You know why? Because I see this battle of good and evil in them. And I get attached to them. And I'm kind of hoping that someone comes alongside these bad dudes and kind of guides them into a better way. And I see the struggle. And I always connect with the bad guy and the bad girl. Um, one of the things that I know makes Jesus mad is when his followers forget that they were once lost. You know, once they find Jesus, they kind of wholly huddle and they stay in the safety of the Christian bubble and they forget about the rebels that are out there and how we were once lost and we were rebels and we were bad guys and bad girls. But by the grace of God, and Jesus took all that away, right? We still, we still struggle and go through life um, working on things. We've got to constantly ask the Holy Spirit to help us overcome the junk in our lives. But we were once out there lost and looking for hope. Um, one of the main reasons I love being a pastor at Parkview these last 10 years is because this church has been so refreshing for me. We chase after the rebels. We run after the prodigals. And that is something refreshing and new for me. I grew up in a religious system and a Christian school, and I went to a Bible college where it was the opposite of that. It was stay away from the worldly, dangerous, bad guys and bad girls. Don't run towards them. Run away from them. The people in town at the Bible college that I grew up in, they called them townies. Don't go by those no good townies. They're worldly. They're dangerous. So coming here to Parkview and being able to heal and be a part of this ministry here and then being brought on as a pastor, it's been one of the greatest things in my life. And Jesus has really changed me and he continues to work and change me. But I love being a part of this crew, man. And I love being on the South Side fishing team here, fishing for men and women on the South Side with our three campuses. It's been a blast. Um, I was so happy uh, not too long ago when a dude showed up at the New Lenox campus that looked like this. I snapped a picture of his shirt, Heathen Nation, first time visitor. And I knew we were on to something. We're doing something right when a dude like that will come to a church service at one of our campuses, right? Pretty cool. One of my favorite verses in the book of Psalms, and it's always been my prayer as well, it's Psalm 51 in the message. Give me a job teaching rebels your ways so the lost can find their way home. My paraphrase would say, Holy Spirit, help me to be obedient with Dad's mission to always be ready to make a way for the bad guy, to hear the good news about Jesus and find his way home. There's nothing better in my book, friends, than a holy God letting us be a part, right? Be a part in helping the lost find their way home. Nothing better than that. So I want to take a look at a really cool story that I just love. And it's a simple story, but there's a lot of awesome wisdom nuggets in there. Um, it's in Acts chapter 8, but let me give you the background first. It's about a, a dude named Philip. We'll call him Phil. I always shorten people's names. All right? And Phil's ministry was exploding in Samaria. 
I mean, the Holy Spirit was rocking and rolling, shaking and baking. Things were great. Miracles were happening. Healings were happening. Many men and women gave their lives to Jesus. They were baptized. Things were good. And then this happened. If you have your Bibles, crack it open or follow on the screens behind me. Acts 8, and we'll start in 26 through 28. It says, later, God's angel spoke to Philip at noon today. At noon today, I want you to walk over to that desolate road that goes from Jerusalem down to Gaza. He got up and went. He met an Ethiopian eunuch coming down the road. The eunuch had been on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem and was returning to Ethiopia, where he was minister in charge of all the finances of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. He was riding in a chariot and reading the prophet Isaiah. So this dude was seeking. He was actually reading the prophet Isaiah. Didn't know what he was reading. But the cool thing is, what I like about this setup, is God spoke and Phil got up and went. He left where everything was going good and the ministry was killing it. And like I said, healings and miracles and people coming to Jesus. God spoke, he listened, and he went to this desolate desert road because that's where he was told to go, right? And I also love, this really stood out to me. And it's what's so cool about our God. His eyes were on the one. I mean, the angels had to be celebrating. God was celebrating everything that was happening in Samaria. But the, the love of God, he's always looking at the one. And he saw what was going to happen on this desolate road, right? I got to tell you a personal story. And I'm going to call it the pirate of New Lenox story. Um, years ago, myself and a bunch of my buddies, guys and girls, part of the Orland Church when I was pastoring here at the Orland campus, um, we loved the UFC fight game. And a lot of us would just get together um, and rent the UFC cage matches, and we loved to watch this. And we kind of heard a prompting from the Holy Spirit and the voice of God saying, you know what? Why don't you be intentional about this thing? And instead of just meeting together in one of our homes, how about once in a while you go to a bar in the area or a pub? And you can have fun. You can watch your fights. But maybe you can meet some guys or some ladies that are bar regulars and just build up some friendships and connections with them. Right? So we called ourselves Fight Club. And uh, another good movie. So we started going to the local pubs around here in Orland and Homer, all over the zone. And I'll never forget, um, one night we met a guy, and he was rough. He was a rough character, a little bit older than us. But he kind of started hanging with our crew a little bit. And, uh, man, the minute you pull up in the parking lot, you smell Jack Daniels. It was this dude, to give you a background. And uh, he was a good guy. He was a character. And he was funny, and he started hanging with our crew and watching the fights. I think he thought my sister was cute, so that kind of helped the situation out. And we got to know this dude a little bit, and we started bouncing around from pub to pub, fight nights once a month, and kind of lost track of him. But uh, I, we really enjoyed his company. He was funny as heck. I'm in my new Lennox office. This is eight years later, guys. Eight years later. And my admin says, Richie, there's some guy that wants to see you. Can I buzz him in? I was like, yeah, send him in. And this dude walks into my office. 
and he looks all banged up. And he's got a patch on his eye. And he goes, you remember me? And I, I did recognize his face. I was like, dude, I do. Fight club, man. How you doing? And we sat down and had coffee in my office. And he told me his story, how he was in an awful motorcycle accident, almost died, lost an eye or crushed an eye, I don't know, broke a bunch of bones in his back. And I don't know why God allowed me to live. I, you know, maybe he has something for me. I don't know, Richie, you know. And I said, uh, dude, just start coming to church, man. Start plugging in. Let's go. There's a reason that you're here today and that God has you around. So he started coming to our campus every week. And I'd see him in the back row, kind of where the ushers sit. And he would cry. He'd be hearing Tim's messages. He would cry after every service. And I'd go and give him a big bear hug. Eventually, long story short, this dude gave his life to Jesus. He found his faith in Jesus eight years later, right? And uh, he came up to me one day in the lobby. And he said, look, dude, look what I got here. And he had this cool necklace. And it was all twisted and bent um, it's a cross. And I said, where did you get that? He goes, I made it. I like working with metal. And the reason that it was, I, had, I have it twisted and hammered, um, it's, it pokes my chest and it reminds me of how I used to live my life before Jesus. Seven days a week, I was a twisted individual and I was constantly hammered, but I found Jesus here. And we both cried like little girls and hugged in the lobby. <laughs> Because that's what I do, you know. And uh, yeah, isn't that cool? I said, How did, where'd you get the medal for that? He goes, oh, that was a few marriages that went bad. I, I melted down my old wedding bands and made that thing. I mean, the dude's just a character. I love him. But we call him the Pirate of New Lennox is because he has to wear the patch every week, every day. And he started serving and welcoming people outside as they came into our campus. And the little kids really dug him because he looked like a pirate. The dude started passing out to the kids little stuffed animal parrots. I mean, he is the pirate of New Lenox. He's really awesome. He buys sacks of McMuffins and donuts and feeds the volunteers. We just love this dude. Let me check out the pirate. There's my guy. Isn't he cool? And you know what he said just a few weeks ago, and I'll never forget it as long as I live? He said, Richie, and that one tear came down out of the eye that wasn't patched. <laughs> Thank you and your crew for coming to the bar. Thank you for not judging me. Thank you for letting me part of the, be a part of the crew. I found my forever family, and it's right here. Amen. I'll never forget that as long as I live. Our God is awesome, isn't he? Amen. Yeah. Let's jump back into Acts chapter 8, 29. The spirit told Philip, climb into the chariot. Running up alongside, Philip heard the eunuch reading Isaiah and asked, do you understand what you're reading? He answered, how can I without some help? And invited Philip into the chariot with him. The passage he was reading was this. As a sheep led to the slaughter and quiet as a lamb being sheared, he was silent, saying nothing. He was mocked and put down, never got a fair trial but who now can count his kin since he's been taken from the earth. A couple things I saw in this. Phil was willing to hang out and help out with someone completely different to him. 
Not only did he go to the desolate road, he climbed into this dude's chariot and tried to help him out. My New Lenox people know what this principle is because I've talked about it before. I call it the breakfast club principle. You guys know Breakfast Club? Come on, Simple Minds, only one of the greatest 80s films ever, circa 1985. If you haven't seen it, let me tell you what it is. It's a story of a bunch of high school kids that got busted, and they had to spend a Saturday on detention. And they were all different, completely different type of kids. Um, One was a rebel, one was a recluse, a brainiac, a beauty, and an athlete. And they went in the library, and because they were forced to hang out with each other, by the end of the movie, it's a great film, go check it out, they all became friends, and they called themselves the Breakfast Club. They were like a little family. Do you have anyone you're hanging out with that's different than you? Do you have anyone that, are you staying in the Christian bubble? You just have Christian friends and people that look like you and believe like you, Or do you have some ones that are out there outside the walls of this building? Some pirates that are waiting for you to connect with them that are different, that are going to find Jesus? That's the question. Let's go to Acts 8 again, 34 and 35. The eunuch said, tell me, who is the prophet talking about, himself or some other? Philip grabbed his chance using this passage as his text He preached Jesus to him. Notice he didn't say, you moron. You don't know what you're reading, man. I love what Colossians 4, 5, and 6 says in the message. Use your heads as you live and work among outsiders. Don't miss a trick. Make the most of every opportunity. Be gracious in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in others in a conversation. Not put them down. Not cut them out. One of the things I see in that passage is that always, you always have to bring it back to Jesus. You can hang out with people on the outside. You can be friends with them. Don't make them a project. Let them know that you love them right where they're at. But always be praying and ask the Holy Spirit to give you the words to say to share the good news with them eventually. It doesn't have to be like I grew up where you knock on a door to a stranger's house and say, hey, and if you die today, you know where you're going? If you, if you don't pray this prayer, you're going to burn like a piece of bacon, you know? <laughs> Start some friendships with people that are different. Listen and share the good news with them. I got another really cool story I want to share with you. I call it Big Red Story, the Big Red Story. Started going to pubs again and doing this thing called Theology on Tap with a lot of our young adults around here. And we go into the bars and just teach on-ramp basics. You know, have you guys ever talked to God before? Do you know how to pray? Anyone in here ever read the Bible before? Do you have a Bible? We were passing Bibles out. Um, Do you know how to share your story? You were once lost. You met Jesus, had an encounter with Jesus, and now you're this way. You're not perfect, but Jesus is working in your life to share your story. We've asked these young adults to bring their friends to this thing that don't know Jesus, and it started blowing up, and a lot of young adults went. And I'll never forget this one kid. He was a bar regular, big red-haired kid. He was about 300 bills, just a big beast, rough, rough as can be. He started hanging with our crew and joining into Theology on Tap. 
And we invited him to come to Orland and come to church here at the campus, and he started doing it. And he called me on my cell one day. I'll never forget it. He said, Richie, I think I'm ready. You know, I, I, I've been living my life and doing it my own way, but I think I need to check out this Jesus thing and give it a try. And I want to get baptized too. I want to do it the right way. I just, I, I really mean business with this thing. I'm one of those kind of dudes. If I'm going to go for it, I'm going to go all in, all out. And I got this idea. I said, you know what, Big Red? This would be really cool. Since it all started for you at the bar, I know there's a big retention pond right behind this bar. <laughs> and we have an event coming up um, in a couple weeks. Why don't we walk out back and baptize your big body in that retention pond and celebrate with you, man? And he was like, that's awesome. Let's do it. So it was such a cool experience for me that I'll never forget the whole crew went out back, and a lot of the bar regulars that weren't even part of our group heard, hey, man, there's this, like, long-haired dude. He's some kind of pastor. He's dunking big red in the drink behind the bar. Let's, <laughs> let's go check this thing out. So we had this entourage walk back there, and it was, I grabbed Pastor Tim. He used to have some waiters back here, and I put them on because I'm a germaphobe, and that, that pond had lily pads and frogs, you know, chirping. And we jumped in there, but I was able to present, just for a couple minutes, a, a simple gospel message and share the good news with this crowd. It had nothing even to do with our people. And we dunked Big Red, and we celebrated, and he started serving here. He was one of the traffic dudes out there. And then he moved away. I think he went to New York, I heard. Kind of lost track with him. But the thing is, it was just so cool um, to see what God did in his life. Because we got out of the box, we got out of the walls of our buildings and went out there where the ones are. And God knew Big Red and he had a plan for his life and he allowed our crew to be part of that and see the life change in him. Just really amazing stuff. You might be saying, Pastor Richie, you know, I do share. And I have family that doesn't know Jesus and I have friends that don't know Jesus and I get frustrated. I, I don't see him come to Christ. I need to tell you it's okay. You might not see results, call them that. You might not see people come to Christ this side of heaven. But you have no idea just sharing the good news and sharing your faith with people. What God can do and the way it trickles down. And things are happening and God's moving pieces around that you have no idea what he's doing. There's this video that I just love. It's called Strangers. I want you to check it out to see how this thing works, man. Check it. This is Nate. Nate became a Christ follower two weeks ago and is still a bit giddy about it. Now he's trying not to do cartwheels in public. Nate became a believer partly because of Kim. Yet, oddly enough, Kim and Nate have never met. Now, is this possible? Well, let's take a look. Kim loved Jesus from an early age, and in college she had a huge impact on her friends. While most of her peers used their college years to, well, experiment, Kim didn't. She remained committed to her faith, and it showed. It especially showed to Lisa, her roommate, who confessed to Kim that she wanted whatever it was that made Kim so strong. 
Kim shared her faith with Lisa, and Lisa believed. Years later, at Lisa's first real job, she met Thomas. Thomas was hit by a drunk driver when he was 13 and still carried a lot of anger and bitterness. Thomas and Lisa became friends, and it wasn't long before he started going to church with Lisa and her husband. After a lot of studying and searching, Thomas gave his life to Christ. Fast forward a few years. Thomas became a public speaker and was often asked to speak at large events. See, when he became a believer, Thomas developed a new perspective on life. He stopped resenting what had been taken from him and started being thankful for the second chance he had been given. On one particular day, Thomas shared about overcoming hardship and what it means to choose joy. He was so passionate that a number of people were inspired to share a link to his video. The video of Thomas inspired James, too. And if anyone needed inspiration, it was him. James had a ton of issues. He spent most of his life as a passive husband, an absent father, and a horrible friend. That said, no one disliked him more than he disliked himself. But everything changed the night he happened to watch Thomas online. Something clicked and he knew what he had to do. He surrendered his miserable life to someone greater, and he was forever changed. James fought hard to make up for the lost years with his family. And he also began working with young men who were in danger of throwing their lives away. One of those men was Nate. Nate didn't really know his own dad, and he had no real direction in life, ultimately bouncing from one bad decision to another. Because of that, he often found himself in trouble with the law. No one had ever showed him what it looked like to be a real man. That is, until he met James. James became the first father figure Nate ever had. He learned about honesty, self-control, humility, and integrity, and where those traits come from. Two months later, Nate publicly declared his belief in Christ. And of course, James was there. Now you can see the connection. Nate was impacted by James, who was influenced by Thomas. Thomas on Uncommon Joy and Lisa, who learned of Jesus from Kim. Kim's relationship with God eventually led to Nate's. Funny how these two people have never met and never will. Isn't that awesome? So cool. So I want to encourage you guys. It's our job to be obedient to dad's call to connect with people that are different and share the good news. We got to trust God for the results. That's his business. We just need to do what we're told and get out there and be Jesus to people, right? Let's go back into Acts real quick here, 36. And they continued down the road. They came to a stream of water. The eunuch said, here's water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the chariot to stop. So the Ethiopian dude accepted Jesus and was baptized. Um, Another story for you, I got to share it. Calling it the Sarah story. It was at the top of Trail's Edge. I forget the name of the bar back in the day. We were on the top floor. We had a blues and barbecue event. Had a blues band in there. and We were intentional about connecting these young adults, especially ones that didn't know Christ, into small groups. And I remember standing at the top of the stairs as these young adults were coming up and Coming to the event, I remember this young mom coming up. Her name was Sarah, and she looked nervous as heck. And uh, she said, Pastor Richie, she said, I don't know anybody. Um, I'm a little anxious, but I'm here. 
and she came up, and I remember us connecting her at a round table of young ladies like her. My sister was there, and my little sister has this. She still has it today. This was years ago, um, a small group in her house um, called the Hot Mess Group, and it's all these young ladies with messy backgrounds, and uh, God is just using it, and it's just so awesome to see, and Sarah joined that group. It started growing in her faith. And I remember like yesterday, years ago, behind the black curtain here, walking with her because she was anxious again to get baptized at one of the mass baptisms here. So I was walking with her and I watched her jump in the water and get baptized and give her life to Jesus. And she started coming to the New Lenox campus when we launched it and started plugging in right away. And then all of a sudden, um, maybe I would say two years ago, her little daughter, um, found Jesus at New Lenox. And I got to baptize her. You could show these pictures. It's really awesome. There's Sarah and her daughter. And then here's her little daughter getting baptized as well. And I remember looking in that little girl's eyes and seeing Sarah's eyes when she came up them steps and said, I don't know anybody. I'm nervous, but I'm here. And I see how God worked through a family and looking at that little girl saying the confession, repeating the confession and going under the water, man, I cried like a schoolgirl. It was so cool to celebrate and see that. Let me tell you something about Sarah and how cool God is. Um, she is now the admin at the New Lenox campus. She runs our office. Um, and the first time I, I met her was coming up the steps of a pub. Isn't that cool? She was a one. And God has eyes on her. And all of a sudden, now her daughter found Jesus. Really, really awesome stuff. So, hey, maybe your next step around here, Richie, I'm doing these things. I get it. Maybe you've never been baptized. Maybe you never took the next step and jumped in the water. Just like the Ethiopian, he said, why can't I be baptized, right? And Phil said, hey, man, the water's right here. Let's go. Maybe today is your time to say, you know what? I need to make this thing public. I've never took the next step in baptism. We got shorts back there. We got shirts and towels. Don't wait, man. Say before God today and before your local church and your family and friends, I'm 100% in with Jesus, and I'm going to get dunked the way Jesus did. We'd love to do that for you today. So you know what? Here's our next steps, guys, to close this thing out. Number one. Obey his voice when he says go. You know, sometimes I wonder, maybe we can't hear God's voice in this day and age we're in. You know, this, the evil one's slick, and he knows every trick in the book, and he's got us so worked up on, you know, who's running our country and politics and pandemics, and we got the news on every time we get home and all the mayhem in the world that's going on that we can't focus on the creator of the universe and the mission he put us on. We can't hear his voice. You know, one of the things I'm trying to do is shut the news off. Oh, crack open God's word. Ask the Holy Spirit to help me connect with more people outside the walls of my campus. There's nothing better than living that kind of life. It's a, it's a Jesus adventure, and it's fun. Get in on that, man. God wants all of us to be Southside hope dealers, I call it. 
We need to be Southside Hope dealers. Pastor Tim said it a hundred times over. Just around our three campuses, three million people, we're barely scratching the surface at Parkview. I mean, it's great. I love celebrating and seeing new people and the ones, but there are so many people out there. And God put us in this time that we're living with all this craziness going around. There's a lot of seekers like the Ethiopian was a seeker. That's why he was reading Isaiah. He didn't even know what he was reading. They need some hope. And we know what that hope is. It's a relationship with our King Jesus. And God wants to use you. He's looking for some of his shepherds, some of his people to connect with people outside these buildings and share the good news of his wonderful grace. Number two, get out of the Christian bubble and breakfast club this bad boy. Start some friendships with people that don't know Jesus and that are flat out different than you. Don't get hung up in the safety bubble. Grace is risky. You know, hanging out with the pirate, you know, I was a little nervous a few times at Fight Club, and I saw him talking to my sister, and what's going on here? Grace is risky, but look what God did, right? Get out there, baby. Um, Carrie Newhoff said this. I read this the other day. I thought it was good. Perhaps the first obstacle between non-Christians and Christians is that relatively few Christians actively pursue meaningful friendships with people who don't share their faith. Between churches that offer programs five nights a week, leaving little time for Christians to make friends outside the church, and Christians who are afraid of the world, many Christians don't pursue authentic relationships with non-Christians. Doesn't that make sense? And the last next step for all of us is share the good news of Jesus Share your story. It's not a sales pitch. It's not a list of Bible verses, the Romans road. You've got to memorize this little thing. Share your life with them, man. This is where I was. I met Jesus Christ. I had a Jesus encounter, and this is where I am now, and I'm living the best life I can live. This is the way to live. You could have heaven on earth and bring earth to heaven, like Tim says, all together. That's all you need to do. 1 Peter 3.15 says this, and I love it. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Let's join together, Parkview. Let's get on mission. Let's go nutty. Let's get wild together before the fall starts hitting and all these people come through our doors for Christmas services. Let's commit to pray for each other, to meet people outside the walls of our church and make way for the bad guy. Let me pray for us. Love you guys. Father, we love you so much. And it is a, just an honor um, to serve you. It's a blast being a Jesus follower. Help us, Holy Spirit, to be Southside Hope dealers and get out there and connect with people that need the hope of Jesus. Um, I pray that your word today and these personal stories inspired our people, encouraged them um, to stay on mission. And I pray that we leave here a little bit changed because we got to hang out with you, Father. Thank you for, for being the best dad on the planet. We love you to pieces. Give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.